Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to a different creative person every week about how they do their thing and not go crazy, or do go crazy and bounce back. And this week, my guest is actress Adrienne Wilkinson. She's one of the stars of the hilarious new web series called Club 5150-5150. It uh, goes up online on November 9th, and it's very hilarious, and she's very fun and funny in it. Uh, she's also been in Xenomorph. Warrior Princess. I believe she played Xena's daughter, but then she ended up growing up. Anyway, she tells me all about it. And she was also, I think, in the Star Trek and the Star Wars universe. She's done stuff in both, like she's J.J. Abrams or something. Anyway, uh, she's delightful. And before we get to her, a little housekeeping. I would love it if you went to DennisAnyone.net and checked out what's going on there. You can subscribe to my newsletter, you can email me, you can kick in a little to my virtual tip jar that helps me pay for web hosting and things like that, and that is always appreciated. I would love it if you followed me on Twitter, at Hensley Dennis, and if you liked the Dennis Anyone page on Facebook, that would be cool too. There's all kinds of cool things that, that bring us closer together as a podcast community. Anyway, enough of that stuff. Here is the delightful Adrian Wilkinson. Hey there, I am here in Hollywood in the charming hillside home with actress Adrienne Wilkinson. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, first of all, we did a test and then we played it back and it sounded like a poltergeist was coming from my computer. <laughs> I was like, that's never happened before. It was like, we did a little chit chat. Hey, say a few words, testing one, two, three, and we played it back and it was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> It was terrifying. It was yeah. really, I was like, that's never happened. So I'm glad we're out. We did another test and hopefully we're sounding clear as a bell. Exactly. I'm not taking responsibility for the poltergeist. No, it wasn't. No. I, it's never happened before. So, um... I love your hood. You live kind of in by the Hollywood Bowl, and do you, is that a pain in the ass, or it's okay? Uh, if I if you know how to get around it, it's a complete awesome, amazing thing. It's right, a total pain in the ass if you aren't expecting it. But there's back ways and all you sorts got, of things. You, you once can you know it, because I was driving yeah. through it and I'm like, this is charming yeah, as heck. It's great, but it's you know that the Hollywood Bowl situation. It's true. There's like four months when you're like, you got to be on the ball. You got to right. know which nights there's concerts, or yes. otherwise you hate your life. Yeah. Do you go? I love the Hollywood Bowl. I, I just went to Duran Duran. Yes, the nice. reflex. It was awesome. I loved it. What do you go there for? Like classical stuff or pop stuff? Well, it's completely different every year. It depends on uh, what I'm able to get tickets for or if I have friends that have tickets. Or, you know, they. I'm going to tell a little secret. Um, This is usually more the Philharmonic Nights. Okay. You can get tickets. I mean, they're nosebleed section, but you can get last second tickets for like four and five bucks. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So, so sometimes just, I'll just be like, eh, I feel like going over. And yeah. I just walk over and see if they've got tickets. And if they do, I go chill out. Can so. you see the fireworks from here if you don't buy a ticket? No, I can't because they are, I, I, having seen the shows, I'm sure you yeah. know, they do this spectacular fireworks show. But it is so close to the ground. And it's all for, you know, fire precautions. They yeah. don't want to... You know, set the hillside on fire. So it's actually in the dip, in the bowl behind the hillside. So. Okay, that's where everything lands. Exactly. All right, better safe than sorry. All right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you are appearing in a very funny new web series called Club 5150. Yes. Created by your friend and mine, Steve Silverman. I love him. And co-starring Krista Flanagan, who was on the podcast previously. It was oh, nice. delightful and fun. Now, you tell us a little bit of the scenario for it. I watched the first episode, and it's a very funny scene with this group of people, somebody's been sort of 
they've gotten themselves into some kind of trouble and you're all there to try to help them deal with this trouble. Correct. And you, you play a doctor. I am the, yes, I am the therapist. I'm there to uh, sort of help massage the situation. Uh, it's set up similar to, say, an intervention. Right. Uh, the difference with a 5150 is that there's no getting out of it. It's not a choice of whether or not you go. We actually have police officers with us, and you're going whether or not you choose to. But we hope that you will come voluntarily. And my job is to sort of make the situation as gentle as it can be. And the unfortunate thing in this web series is that this is my very first time doing it. So I'm sort of terribly inept at my job and just sort of stumbling through it. And I'm very earnest. That didn't come through in the pilot. You seemed on it. Oh, good. I felt safe around you. Oh, excellent. Now, what does 5150 mean? It's a legal number, right? uh, It is. It's a description that means you are placed on a 72-hour hold for your own well-being because people fear that you are a potential danger to others or to yourself, that you would be self-harming. Okay. So it's when, in in this case, it's a husband and wife, and the husband fears for the safety of his wife, which is why he puts this whole thing into motion. I I love it. So how many episodes are, are there all together? I believe there's four. Okay. Yes. Well, the first one is super funny. Super snappy dialogue, great actors, great characters. What got you in the into the mix? What made you want to do it? Uh, well, pretty much Steve got me into the mix. He, um, he has a way of doing that. He does, he does. I had worked with him on Pretty the Series and had just a spectacular time. And he right. presented this thing that was a completely different character, different vibe, totally uh, just a, what would be a completely new experience. And I read it and... Uh, I was also a little intimidated because I know how quickly he shoots. And this is, uh, you know, pretty, we shot a lot of very short scenes. Right. And this project is, you know, significant chunks of, you know, like 10 page scenes that we're shooting all at once. And right. when you're shooting on that tight of a schedule, it can be really overwhelming. <laughs> how, how, long, how many days did you take to do the whole thing? Uh, I think I, I did four days. Right. So, yeah, it's really quickly. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty and amazing. funny. Does it all happen in that house, or do you guys go, you venture forth? Uh, there's two locations. My right. uh, my part basically took in, it took place yeah. entirely in the house, but then there's also a second section which takes place uh, in a mental facility, in a mental ward. So, wow. Yeah, exactly. That, I wonder where they shot that. Where do you get a mental ward set? Uh, I think you go downtown and you use that as inspiration. There you and, go. Yeah. Did you, was it shot here in L.A.? It in was, city? yeah. Awesome. Now, you, you've done a lot of more dramatic work, sort of adventure work. Is it fun to do comedy for you? I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the funny thing about pretty much anyone's career is that wherever you sort of get the first nibbles of success, that's right. inevitably where people continue to sort of uh, right. look at you for work. So, you know, my first big break was Xena Warrior Princess, which is like sci-fi fantasy, sort of right. the top. That you sort played of Xena's daughter? I did. But then I you did. also played another character. Well, they were both her daughter, but basically... <laughs> uh, this is such a ridiculous thing to say. I love that this is my life. Uh, so, in real life, Lucy Lawless had a baby. Right. So, on screen, her character had a baby. Right. But of course, they immediately realized you can't shoot an action show with a baby on your hip in the middle of the forest. Right. So Because everyone's thinking the whole time you're getting shot at and stuff. What about the baby? Exactly. What about the baby? Yeah. Yeah, completely. We're like, why are you there? Why are you not like safely taking yeah. care of the baby instead exactly. of you know, out fighting and being a warrior? Right. Uh, so in, uh, in real life, they decided the smart, savvy move would be that they would take a 25-year jump in history. Now, uh, Zena and her sidekick, Gabrielle, were conveniently frozen in an ice cavern. Okay. So, when they wake up 25 years in the future, they look exactly the same. Of course. But their daughter is 25. 
Wow. And I, Everyone's a winner. I'm telling you, it was pretty amazing. This I, was near the end of the run, right? It was. It was the last two years of the, of the series. And uh, I was playing the Empress of Rome, who was also the biggest, baddest bitch in the entire country, and just tearing up villages and pillaging people. <laughs> and it just, all of it. Yeah, just all of it. And uh, then I realized that my mother has come back to me, and I have 25 years of rage of being abandoned, and yes. I just take it out on her, and we just are pretty much trying to kill each and other. And you are not buying the ice cave uh, excuse. Uh, well, it's not enough. I it's mean, not enough. You still, yeah, she could have called or exactly. sent a bird. <laughs> so how, what was the other character you played? Uh, well, basically, I was born as Eve, okay. but when she was put into the ice cavern, I was sort of smuggled off, uh, and I was raised as the character Livia, so I didn't initially really know of my background. So it was the same character. Exactly. You weren't playing like twins or anything like that. Correctly. Awesome. It, it, it seems like two characters because I'm this big, bad warrior, but then I have a religious epiphany, and so I become the polar opposite in terms of personality. I stop fighting. I become extremely religious and... I become sort of the conscious conscience of, of the show for a bit. When your character takes that turn and you don't have to do all the action scenes and all that stuff, is it a relief or are you like, gosh, that was the fun part? Ugh, it was such a, a knife in my back. I hated it. Really? Because yeah. they took the fighting away exactly at the moment when I got really good at it. Ah. So the first couple of weeks, you're sort of just freaking out trying to figure out how to yes. do it. And then you realize how to do it. And then I had no idea that this you know personality change was coming. And it was just, you know, it's always fun to play bad. Right. It's just, there's no rules. And then suddenly right. I was playing a character who was so incredibly pious that I really could do nothing except my, my role kind of became, I was constantly in trouble needing to be rescued and, or I was chastising people. Right. You're <laughs> you giving know? people a lot of hard times. Right. Now, um, I could tell the second I met you that you're a dancer because you have that carriage, you have that body. And then I also read that, but I was like, no, clearly dancer, dancer, dancer. Oh, thank as you. As I, I, I used to dance as well. So how does that help you when you're doing action stuff. Uh, actually, I bet your kicks are very graceful, full de- developments. Uh, well, I have a great extension, that's right. for sure. But right. it's actually, it was pro and con because the great part about it, because I had no fight training whatsoever. Right. Uh, so the great part is that I pick up choreography really exactly. quickly. Yeah. So in that sense, it was fantastic. But I'm used to being graceful when right. the whole point is to be sort of as messy right. as you can. And Would they ever tell you, you know what, that's too pretty? Oh, definitely. But yeah. my biggest... I, I, my biggest thing was that we did a lot of our fighting in sand. Right. And I would, just by my nature, without even thinking about it, I would do a lot of my turns on releve. And what yeah. that would do is spin me into the ground. like spin me in, So I would suddenly be ankle deep in sand. Right. And, you know, just clumsy. And not, so I had to really learn to be flat-footed, which was new for me. Now, I got to interview Lucy Lawless once, and she was a lot of fun. Did you guys have fun working together? Were you in a lot of scenes all the time together? Blood of mother-daughter stuff? I adore Lucy. I freaking think she's one of the coolest people on earth. She is such an inspiration. She's such a hard worker, and she has just the naughtiest sense of humor, which right. is really necessary in life, but also on set. <laughs> what would she say? What would she, like, foul mouth? And, oh, uh, just foul mouth, but also just mischievous. You know, she's right. just someone who likes to have a good time all the time. So right. she's not someone, you know, there are certain people where they can take the work so seriously that it's stifling. Right. And that's never the experience that I had with her. She is a the best cheerleader. She's the best, like, let's get this done. And I have to say that you know, we had all of our, my first few episodes, all of our scenes were together, uh, cause they were really exploring that mother daughter storyline. 
But at the same time, I have to say, it wasn't until probably 10 years after the show that I suddenly had this massive wave of additional respect for her because she was a freaking brand new mother taking breaks to, you know, to breastfeed her baby on the side. And, you know, then, you know, I mean, what brand new mother wants to be in the middle of the woods fighting you know, I mean, it dressed just, like Xena. Well, all of it, all of it. It just seems like it, I just had newfound respect for the additional pressure that must have been right. to be a now, brand new mom in the midst of that. Do you have children? I don't. Well, okay. only dog children. So dog far. children, yes. but they're adorable. Well, the one I met is yes. awesome. Oh, trust me, and that's yeah. you, you've only—it's the tip of the iceberg. What were your costumes <laughs> like on that show? Were they skimpy or were they kind of fun? Were they cool? They were amazing. They had incredible costumers there who would hand make everything. Right. Uh, my costume was red and gold, and I was covered in um, this amazing sort of leather and brass. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, it was heavy. It was so freaking heavy. That was one of the most difficult things when I started. It was I, I was finding myself so exhausted by the end of the day, and I realized it wasn't as much just the fact that we were fighting and just the fact that it was outdoors, but it was also that my costume probably weighed between 15 and 20 pounds with all that metal on it. Right. So by the end of the day, You've I just was just... been drugging around like weights. Now, I find that dancers, when I was a dancer, people would change in front of each other. Like, they're free with their bodies. They don't think about that. Do you, is that, do you find that true of yourself when you're, you know, in movies and stuff? Like, things that other people would be like, oh, I don't know if this is enough or... Uh, you mean in terms of getting ready or you mean of onset or what I think it? I mean in terms of, like, um, of showing their body or being comfortable in their bodies. Not necessarily nudity, but more like... Well, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's it's one of it's part of the. I don't know next. that it's ever not a big deal, but I just think you don't ever want to be the problem child that slows the train. Like right. it is, production days are impossible. Like every right. day, you're barely getting it finished. So you don't want to be the person that, you know, suddenly is freaking out. So sometimes I think that makes you braver than you would normally be. Right. Uh, I also think that that sometimes you're just it's. You're so stressed out about other things that you don't even have time to be as stressed out about the stuff that you would normally right. be more nervous about. That makes sense. Uh, so, I mean, you do just sort of figure it out. But the other thing I think is that at least what has helped me is that, you know, Adrian can be as nervous as she wants about any of that stuff. But the character in that scene is not. Right, you know, so you just scene. try to shift gears into that. Yeah, character. just try to focus on that because, right. uh, you know, otherwise I might be crying in the corner. And there you go. <laughs> that's no fun. Now, you've also done work in the Star Trek universe and the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I used to think people had to pick. But if J.J. Abrams can do both, I think all bets are off. Well, you can do both. I, that's what I said. I said, if J.J. Abrams can do it, so can I. Yes. <laughs> So which, what was the Star Trek thing that you did? Uh, Star several Trek, things. Uh, the Star Trek thing just came out uh, about uh, six weeks ago. It's called Star Trek Renegades. It was a feature-length pilot that we hoped would become a series. Right. Uh, and it really it was done on a shoestring budget with uh, just barely any time at all. It takes place about ten years after Voyager. Uh, it's a lot of Star Trek veterans, so Walter Koenig, Tim Russ, uh, Manu Intereme, uh Bob Picardo, Robert Picardo. Um, you know, all of these people came back and were part of it, which was amazing yeah. to, you know, just be... And then on top of all of that, I get to play the captain, which is freaking cool. And I get to play a cool captain because she's sort of this... 
like when you meet her, she's in prison. <laughs> so, that is cool. Right? It's a completely, it's a darker version of Star Trek. And it's basically, I play the captain of a black ops team. So nice. we do the missions that have to be done. And, yeah, and somebody's got to. It, that's what I'm saying. And I stepped up to the plate and, you know, it was good for me. And you had a cool uniform. I did. It was yeah. awesome. So is it out now? People can watch it? It is. You can just watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, just look up Star Trek Renegades and you'll find it. Uh, and now we're just trying to see what else happens. There's been, you know, interest from network. But I mean, it feels like a no-brainer to me. If, I'd also, when you said low budget, I'm like, wait, it's Star Trek. Well, it is, but it was independently financed. Like, it okay. wasn't financed by the studio. It was independently financed. So we really just had bare bones. I mean, we made a feature-length project in, like, 14 days. And, you know, it was just, it was really, you know, trial by fire. How long is it, if you thing. actually watch it? Uh, I want to say it's, like, 85 minutes. Okay, so it's over an hour. Right. Um, right. What has the fan response been like so far? Are they like, oh, yay, more Star Trek, we love it? I have to say, this sounds terrible, but kind of shockingly, they have been obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, I say shockingly just because, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I can see the flaws and the weaknesses that right. are inevitable due to the amount of money we had and the right. amount of time we it had. It could be and all so much stuff. better if dot, dot, dot. Exactly. Right. But consider, I'm also extremely proud of it because of exactly all that stuff. I mean, right. we really worked a miracle considering our circumstances, and people have really loved it. I mean, yeah. they. they you know, the thing that's tricky about it is that it's a whole lot of information in right. one, you know, sort of All kinds of backstory, episode. all kinds of catch-up, exactly. all kinds of mythology. Totally. So it can be a little overwhelming or seem a little daunting because we do hope it's the beginning of what could be multiple stories that are told. But the flip side of that is that, you know, it's also um, just a, a ton of stuff that the fans love, really yeah. specifically catering to the fans in terms of, you know, little... Just those gifts that the true fans of Star Trek will get right. that the casual viewer won't. And like little Easter egg references exactly. and things like that. And we have so many things like that in there that people really, that seems to be one of the things they were, they are really responding to. Yeah. I've never been a huge Star Trek fan, but when I talk to them or experience it, there is a sort of world view of, from Star Trek. Right. Like everyone's right. included. It's da-da-da-da-da. What does it mean for you as, an, as a performer to kind of become part of that family? And, and is that a mindset that, that resonates for you? It's like, oh, this is... I like this, what this is about, and I feel honored that I'm, in a, in a way, in this fraternity now. Uh, well, I certainly love it. I'm certainly honored to be part of all of the projects that I've done. I just think it's, you know, I mean, as a culture, we're obsessed with stories, and these are the particular stories that we have really glommed onto and you right. know, sort of built um, so much around. I mean, it's, you know, these stories that are staying relevant for decades. It's kind of considering the fast pace of our world right now, it's kind of amazing that people are still interested in these right. projects. Like, if you saw Shatner at Target... You might, well, Shatner's a different case. He's tough. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you saw Yahura, you know what I mean? There's sure. like this sort of tradition. It's kind of like, oh, we went to the same, I went to the same high school or no, something. No, it is. It's, we do have a certain, uh, we do have a connection yeah. uh, that I'm completely honored to be part of. I also think um, I do a really, really, really uh, strong, <laughs> I, I make a strong effort to. I try to not worry about that stuff too much because I think it would inform my performances too much. I mean, if I was too worried about what all of the fans thought, yeah, oh, I would the comment boards. Uh, yeah. Do they even do comment boards? That's so like '90s web reference. But, but you know the, what I'm saying? They do the version today, whatever which is, it I'm is. Tear you a new one on Twitter. Did that happen? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it has. But I do a very, very don't good look. job. No, I don't. I just don't, don't read the comments. That should be my autobiography. Yes. Don't. Not that I've even had that many comments, but it's like. But it can be devastating. Yes. And the thing is, you I know, don't it's understand like, the people that are obsessed and have to know. I really right. don't have to know. I don't have that gene. Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't even, it's not even that I, life is too short. 
to yes. it. I mean, I... I'm not that curious. You completely. do the best you can, and you... Anyway. And at this point, there's yeah. nothing else you can do. It's, right. it's filmed. It's out. It's in the can. <laughs> you know? Did you have a console that you were just totally rocking in this... Star Trek pilot? Um, I, I have a chair that I am totally rocking. Okay. Does it have gadgetry and like... Um, little... It doesn't. The way that our... The, that we have set it up, I'm sort of center of yeah. the, you know, the entire front of the ship and I just have people running things for you me. You just call the shots. I do. You're I'm, not that... A, you're not pushing buttons and doing minority report the oh, hologram. No, 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 no. no, you're just yelling at people. That's exactly right. Do you have a, a love interest? Do you have a crush on like the first commandeer I don't um, know if that's even a thing there's been some what do they call that fan fiction about oh, yeah gosh. some created relationships now that's if I would read all of it <laughs> right? I want to see I want to read oh, oh I'm I'm banging Bieber wow alright I'll do oh, that well I have I'll to do say that. oh wow Ryan and... Felipe just walked in okay <laughs> well I guess let's go Bieber is that cool with you alright fine <laughs> let's do it yeah oh look there's Willie Ames that's a throwback anyway well, <laughs> but I will say I will say that my experience with fan fiction from Xena sort of gave me my fill like, I gave by was, the way well, <laughs> I'm shocked by oh. this. This news is shocking. <laughs> this interview's over. So no, Xena fan fiction, I bet. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's crazy. And there, was it me, more girl gonna... on girl? Or oh, got... of course. Uh, of lots of girl course. on girl. Yes. yes. And I have to say, oh, in the fan fiction, it doesn't seem to matter that we're related. <laughs> no, they, they don't care. No. That's hot. Right. That just No one's going to get it. pregnant. There's not going to be any... <laughs> Kids that are going to exactly. yeah, wow. So would you read some of that stuff, or would people send it to you, or would you have somebody like give you the, you read it and then just give me the bullet points? Um, uh, it's not something I've ever searched out because right. again, to me, it feels similar to the comments. Like I kind of that stuff I sort of don't need to know. Right, it kind of gets in the <laughs> but way. But I do. One of my sisters, my sister Amy, loves to torture me with stuff she'll oh find gosh. online and send me just the the juiciest nuggets yeah, of like. like yeah. So this is what you were doing with so and so, and so so yeah, I've definitely had my fill. Now, what was the stuff you did in the Star Wars universe? Uh, uh, it's th- funny you say fan fiction because I've had some of that in Star Wars I'm as sure. well. Um, the I've done several. I've done about five projects for Star Wars. Mainly, they're voice projects. I was right. uh, I played the character daughter on Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the nice. the cartoon series. Uh, and then I was also sort of the main thing I'm known for is I played a character called Maris Brood, who was a female Jedi turned Sith in Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Uh, which, which is a voiceover, a voice. It job. was a well. It was an enormous video game. Right. Uh, I guess it's like seven years ago now, something like that. Um, where what we did is it was all motion capture. So we sort of filmed it like a movie, and then it was animated. Right. And it was also the voice. Work but you literally it. showed up and acted, physically did it, not just did the yes, voice. Yes. The, the five main characters, we yeah. were all motion capture. So we. That must went be a whole different exercise as an actor. It was wild. Yeah. And then to see the finished product. It really was strange. Um, you know, I have to say the the five of us that did the main characters, um, the others, the the other characters look. I mean, spot on, exactly like themselves. But my character had this kind of kabuki makeup on, like really, really white skin and really sort of crazy red. And uh, she was just super intense. And so the character doesn't look as much like me as the others do. Right. But it is still sort of disturbing to watch yourself. And it's just a Do you play the video game? I'm the world's worst gamer. But if you were to play it, could you be you? Is, can a, could a player be you, or yes. are you are you somebody that they would react to? In different versions of the game, you could be me. Wow. Uh, yes, or you certainly would always interact with me. It's a right. plot point that you can't avoid. I think those things where, for an actor or someone that becomes famous, and you get to be like a bobblehead or a doll, <laughs> right. it would be super neat. But then if it didn't look like you... 
or it looked weird. It would right. be like, oh, they fucked up my bobblehead. Yes, exactly. exactly. And, and I know it's not easy to do, but it is always cool when they look right, like look like you. No, so. it is. It's an interesting thing because it's like, um, you know, you can't help but want to be flattered. And right. if it's really not flattering, then you're like, <laughs> then I'm you're trying like, really hard to not be offended. I'm so honored to have this doll. I cannot put this in the closet fast enough. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I love that. Now, for for actors, doing video game work, is it that thing that's like, wow, that pays good? And wow, this is a neat little slice of the industry I'm happy to be a part of. Or uh, I'm going to educate you right now. Yeah, so lay video, it down for me. What's Video games do not pay well. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't know. No, not at all. And, you know, the majority of voice work, but particularly games, there's no such thing as residuals in them. So even right. though they make more money than movies, it's, you know, it's just not that. But what it is is incredibly fun and very efficient. Right. So, you know, voice work, what I love about it is that you do characters that you would normally not get the chance to play. Right. So I, I know people that have played little bo- girls that have played little boys. Exactly. My friend Miley. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. It's that sort of thing where you play creatures that you would never, you know, certainly maybe not even have interest doing, but it's a great creative exercise. And you, it's just cool because the games, you know, these franchises are really interesting. And, right. you know, like right now I'm working on a, a project for uh, Sons of Anarchy. It was a spinoff of the series. Yeah. And, you know, it's just cool because again it's you know the type of character that I probably would never get cast in because right. she's sort of a you know she's biker chic you know right. she's you know she's a bit of a badass but in a way that I don't know if they would see me that way so you know it's just kind of a cool thing you get to do things you never would get to do do you feel like you have a facility for different voices or is that something you discovered or um, I do like everybody has a range um, right. but I will say the majority of characters that I get cast as it's just my voice. Just the way you uh, yeah. Right. It's just, there's a certain type of character that's really popular right now that is, you know, she might be a soldier, she might, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but then there's I, an intelligence that comes through. Right. There's a efficiency. There's yes. a, like, yes. Yeah. There's a, all of that. And if you had a lot of jargon, I bet you could pull it off. Oh, completely. I'm, I'm very good at speaking quickly which you need to for certain things like that right. um, being understood and, yeah just that sort of dialogue where I might not have a freaking clue what yeah. I am saying but I can say it as if it yeah. you know as you if can I make it sound def con you know all the de- you know your def cons exactly exactly uh, um, do you do any do you take part in any of that fan world after stuff conventions autograph oh, yes. stuff cuz i bet yes. that is really its own universe um it, inevitably yeah is it ching ching <laughs> sometimes uh, you know what? They're completely different, and it's like the like the entertainment industry itself. They right. are completely changing. I mean, right. the first conventions I ever did were for Xena way back in the day. Right. And back in that at that time, you know, it was the sort of thing where you were never supposed to mention it. You're never supposed to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it was a dirty little secret. It, yeah, exactly. And I was, remember interviewing Carrie Fisher in like 2003, and she had just done her sort of first one of those. Right. She sort of she sort of bit the bullet and did a Leah thing. And signed autographs, and she just brought home a bunch of money in a shoebox. <laughs> she brought home a bunch of cash in a shoebox, and she was going to spend it on a remodel or something like that. Right. I just remodeled my bathroom or whatever. But it was that sort of like, yeah, I was never going to do this, and guess what I just did, and guess what? I'm loving this cash in a shoebox. Exactly. I am not mad at the shoebox. <laughs> no. You, you, can, you can never take the shoebox from me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's one of those things where... 
you know, they're enjoyable because you're having a one-on-one with fans and it's, you never as an actor, as a, a television film actor, as opposed to like theater, right. it's really rare to get that kind of feedback. I mean, you just normally don't. And who hang on every detail and know every oh, nuance and all of that do. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, you have to give it I up bet to they, them. I bet they bring up the questions and you're like, I don't remember that day. Oh. I don't remember that episode. Do you say, oh, I have no idea. I can't remember. Oh, always. Bullshit? But I just turn it back on them and I make them explain it to me and remind me because yeah. it's just been too long and, you know, I mean, I've maybe seen those episodes once and they've seen them 50 times and and, you know my memories are not about the plots and the script my memories are about the making of it and what happened so the good or bad things that happened that day the way that you know the memories that we were creating amongst each other that's the stuff I remember more than I remember what the outcome of whatever battle was or something you know so when you first started doing it it was like with Xena and people didn't really talk about the conventions but you're saying that's changed well it's that they didn't really talk about it but it's also that you know it was a very specific market right. and you know I mean it was, and it's gotten bigger and bigger well it's it's now become this not only a huge thing but it's now the studios have realized it's a marketing tool so what's now really interesting is the studios will book out an entire convention to just have their WB artists or just right. their, you know, is WB or the... And it's, it's all stuff WB that's on artists. the way as right, opposed right. to like, remember that show from five years ago. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a combination. I mean, and you know, the Now it's cool say, to be part of Comic-Con or whatever it is. Well, absolutely. Now it's considered like this badge of honor and, you know, I've sort of felt the same way about it always, which is just that I see the pros and cons, you know yeah. I mean? To me, it's, it's a great way to meet other actors. It's cool to interact with fans uh, but I am not one of the people who is obsessed with that sort of scene. Like, there are people that love it. And I mean actors. There's other actors that would go every weekend because they just love being around all of that culture. Right. Where, for me, I I enjoy going and love going, but I mean, I am happy when they're done. Right, right, <laughs> so. right. So when you go, it's like a day or two? Yeah. Where's the most wild place you've been? Because I know people that have gone to New Zealand and Australia. And- um, For a convention, uh, <laughs> I did a convention earlier this year that was in the UK. Territory, which is like the border of Alaska. It was beautiful, but I am telling you, it was the middle of nowhere. The, the Alaska and Russia? Like no, that no, no. part? Alaska, it's, on the, it's a, in Canada, but on the border okay. of Alaska. Alaska and Canada. And like, this is how they described it to Who me. Who goes there? Where do they get the people to go there? Well, they fly in? I was in the biggest town, yeah. uh, which is 27,000 people. Okay. Uh, and they said, you know, whenever anything happens, everyone drives in to see whatever's going on because they just don't have a lot of options. Right. So, I mean, they had a successful event. It was certainly a small event, but they had a right. successful event. But it was, you know, it was this moment where you're like, what am I doing here? I'm in the middle of nowhere. Wow, I bet <laughs> it was, be- was it summertime? Uh, it was, That yeah, was beautiful. Utterly. I used to cruise Alaska in the summer. Nice. But that's kind of cool. You would never go there normally. That's exactly it, yeah. Now, when you go to these things, are you like... Are they like, we're here for you because of Xena. Don't, you can't talk about this other stuff? Or is it just you can talk about anything that's on your um, Usually docket. they have a focus. Right. Uh, usually there's more fans for one particular thing based right. on like the geographic area or whatever. But no, they welcome all of it. They're, yeah. you know, they're super happy to. Good. We cross over. We get the Trek guys. We get yes. the da da da. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at one event, you know, that's the cool thing is I can be on multiple panels and talking about different experiences yeah. and different shows and just appealing to different parts of the audience. Because it is interesting that... Some of my, there's not an enormous amount of crossover between, right. you know, the projects that, it, there's certainly some, but there's not an enormous amount because as you said, there are some people that are just Star Trek fans 
some people that are just Star Wars fans, some people that loved Xena back in the day, but, it, yeah. you know, it, so it's always... Did you get a lot of women for Xena? Oh, always, Because she's yeah. a lesbian icon, for Absolutely. sure. That whole show, yeah. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. those are my homegirls. Yeah. Do they send you marriage proposals, things like, anything like that? Oh, I've got Anyone ever all. try to, you know, accost you? Um, I get that. You know, interestingly, though, um, <laughs> interesting being that the fan base is mostly women, the... The only really negative experiences I've had at conventions were with men. Although there is a semi-famous story of me where uh, it's pretty hard to top in terms of conventions where there is a girl that has a tattoo of me on her lady bits. A. Right. Thanks. Right. B. How? I know. I know. I mean, it's not exactly the most flat no. surface from what I understand. <laughs> how <laughs> does me, that happen? Let me walk you through it. Let walk me, me through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, how did, did you, have you seen it with your own I've eyes? I've seen part of it because I met her at a meet and greet where she started wow. doing her pants for me and I was like, what yeah. is happening? I do, uh, security, right. <laughs> like, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but she was covered in tattoos, sort of head to uh, That toe. was only the place left. And really. well, yeah, it was, I felt honored. Wow. Um, so part of it was uh, visible and then part of it, you know, yes, whatever. Yes, okay. exactly. So I'm not exactly sure what I was doing, but I'm sure I was good at it. Right. Yes. So that's nice. <laughs> And you just had a moment with her. Thank you. That's a, I'm exactly. so flattered. Well, the thing is, what's so funny? I was I was kind of legitimately freaked out about it because this was probably ten years ago or so, and right. it was my first sort of any extreme fan experience. Right. Uh, so I was sort of taken aback. But afterwards, I was like, that was so freaking hilarious and amazing. Like it's now become, as I think back on it, one of my very favorite experiences. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, who can say that? Right. Meryl. Exactly. I bet Meryl Streep can't say that. That's probably true. Bet she can't. Yeah, suck it, Meryl. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, people make fun of fan culture and they're geeks and da 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 da. But what is your? What have you observed about what stories mean to people? Escapism, how it helps them in their lives. The the, the sort of poignant part of that world. What have you observed about it? What I and there's have, a pride around it for you. Well, there, I've d- observed two things. First of all, every one of us is a freak about something. Thank you. Exactly. And maybe it's not sci-fi. Maybe it's your sports team or maybe, yes. you know, it's knitting or whatever. Every one of us has an obsession right. with something that drives us and something that we love. And stories in general are something that have existed from the beginning of time and it's right. something we will never be without. It'll just keep changing forms and how it is we're accessing that. But I think with fandom, the thing that's really interesting that is so weird as an actor is that you have all of these people that are excited to meet you and see you and have this experience. But at the same time, it sort of has absolutely nothing to do with you because what it is is the character. It's that that character represented something to them or got them through a tough time in their life Mm -hmm. or, you know, just was somehow meaningful to them in a way that you as a human being had nothing to do with. So you're just sort of representing this space for them. And Mm -hmm. it's this beautiful, amazing thing to be part of. But it's also you have to keep a clarity of it's not exactly your responsibility. So you, it's it's easy for me to not get a big head over any of that stuff, no matter how outrageous a fan might seem, because I'm very clear on the fact that it's not exactly me. It's right. that, you know, it's this thing that I'm part of, and it's their writing and the directing and the costume. And, you know, what they're really in love with is something that took 200 people to make. Right. So, you know, my part of it 
you know, I sort of get to be the, the part that's out front, but my part of it is still, you know, a small piece of the whole, so. And also as an actor, it must be a relief to not know that, to know that people don't care about who you're sleeping with or what your personal life is. Like, their questions aren't like that. They're more like, in episode 14... Yeah, I'm really lucky that, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just really boring, uh, but I'm really lucky that people tend to respect my privacy. It's not tabloidy, that yeah, world. I'm they're not, not interested. They're not interested, but it's also, I think I've done a pretty good job of just making a clear line. Like, I love to interact with fans online, but I never talk about personal stuff because right. it's that's sacred to me. And right. so, you know, I like to keep a clear line where I love the interaction, but we're not, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing today because right. that gives me a little bit of a heebie-jeebies. So. I totally. <laughs> Totally get it. Now, I, there are two things on your IMDb, or I think it was IMDb or Wikipedia, that are my favorite things. Oh, amazing. One of them is that you went to a high school called Kickapoo. <laughs> yes. Kickapoo High School. Is yeah. that a town? Uh, no, it's an Indian tribe. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Kickapoo Indian. I Kickapoo on the way in here, and <laughs> no, oh, I didn't. I didn't. Up. I did not. But yeah, that's funny. Okay, cool. All right. There you go. Exactly. That, did you guys get made fun of by other schools? Or? Um, I actually love it. The school is pretty amazing. Like, there's the swim team, they, they, which I'm going to add to the absurdity. The colors are brown and gold. <clears throat> okay, there you go. Uh, oh, wow. Right. I know. Yeah. It's bad. Oh, but, but you're going to love this. The swim team, which is, you know, pretty impressive, they wear these little tiny brown Speedos, and on the back it says, poo. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I want one of those. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. And everyone just owned it. Oh, Nobody they did. was like, they did. it wasn't like they could not, they had to have known what they were doing. So they oh, said, like, you know what? In for a penny, in for a pound. Exactly. We're going to do that. That's, I want one of those Speedos. That would be amazing. And my other favorite thing is your credit. Let's talk puberty for girls. I know. Let's talk it. Let's. <laughs> I like that. So it's like an instructional video or like a, a, uh, yes. or a, or like a you know, informative. It's one of those videos that they play. It's actually a series of videos that they play in like uh, sixth grade, seventh grade when everybody's hitting puberty for reals and they need to have the discussions. And it's an animated video, but you know, the, with voiceover. And it's one of those videos that's just introducing people to, uh, introducing kids to, so, um, yo, this is what's about to happen to your body. Right. Don't they need that. And this, oh, well, they absolutely do. I'm and you that. also it's, pop up in Let's Talk Puberty for Boys. Exactly. But I got the feeling your bigger role was in the girls' You, you were right about that. That's yeah. just I read between the lines. <laughs> so were you like the narrator or were you playing a character? Uh, in the girls one, I was the narrator, yeah. uh, and in the boys one, I played a couple girls, girl characters. Did you get copies to give to people like nieces and nephews or people? I don't know anyone I, that I might. I feel really gypped that I didn't. You I'm really, really mad about it that now. Your Christmas card, at least for the first year. That's good. <laughs> Do you remember any of the things that you said about it? I bet you talked I'm about an, menstruation. And... I did. Which the, oh my god, it makes me so mad that you just said that because you said it perfectly. And I will <laughs> say I'm embarrassed because I walked in there saying menstruation, and only what? then was told that it's menstruation. What did you, how did you say it? Menstruation. Menstruation. Instead of you, yeah. Menstruation. Yeah. I, I nailed it. I'm telling you. It's yeah. Imp- I'm impressed. That's really good. I'm a good. little intimidated. Did you talk about <laughs> masturbation? I don't remember that we talked about that. I See, think, they never tell kids about that and I you freak yeah. out about it. Kids well, freak out about it. I they did. They do. They do. But yeah. you're also, you know, it's also you're dealing with parents that are freaking yes, out. Yes. So. People I need to. Remember, if I were running for Miss America, that would be my platform. <laughs> masturbation would be your platform. Masturbation's okay. Hashtag masturbation's, you know, whatever. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know. You would totally have my vote. I think if I was so. Doing. Yeah. So, you know, people do illiteracy, whatever. No one's ever done that. Right. Hey, do you play that guitar? Uh, no, I just look at it. 
There's a guitar on the wall, and I was like, that's a cool guitar. It is. It was a gift, and I think I maybe at one time had uh, high aspirations, but it just hasn't happened. But that's what okay. I do, so one of my I. favorite things about my house is when people that I have no idea play the guitar will show up, and they'll be like, oh, there's a guitar, and they just automatically start playing it, which rocks my world. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's cool. Um, what's something that you've learned to do because you were in a for a role yes. that you're like, oh, I'm so glad I discovered this. I'm sure you've done all kinds of fighting, but is there yeah. other things where you're like, oh, wow, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate this a little in my life. Um, you know what? Uh, I can't say that I have any real legitimate skills that I have gotten out of it, but I have realized this is something that I feel like everyone in the world should be able to do is I've realized as an actor, you start to learn that it's just kind of, if you can BS your way through something, you know, people believe it. So in life, it's kind of the same thing, too. Right. If you so, own it, they'll totally. go with it. It's that idea. If you if you fake confidence, you have confidence. And, you know, there's all sorts of stuff where, you know, whether it's technical language or something where I'm supposed to appear that I have a clue what I'm talking about. And I feel like I've mastered that skill, which is hilarious. But I sort of, you know, like if I'm at the mechanic, I, I can act as if I have a total clue. So they don't take advantage of you. Completely. Smart, smart, smart. (laughs) Now, um, when you, I read that you, you were interested in dance at first and then you decided, you sort of discovered acting in high school and started auditioning and and started booking right away. Is that how it worked? It's even more ridiculous than that. Um, I was 16 and I went to get my, uh, senior portraits done. Okay. And the guy who was taking the, the photos at his studio that weekend, he was having an acting class. Okay. And, it was one of those things where he basically just upsold me when he was selling me my senior portraits. Right. And I was so young, I didn't know how to say no, and I just sort of got painted into that deal. But I showed up, and I still thought it would be fun. And it turns out, even though it was this tiny Midwestern town, right. it was actually being taught by casting directors that had flown in from Los Angeles. Wow. And even though I'd been on stage since I was tiny, but at the same time, I had never acted a day in my life, so I'm sure I was terrible. Yet somehow they saw something in me and there, there was a role on a soap opera they'd been trying to cast for like four weeks or something. And they ended up offering me that job on the soap opera. How many did you have to screen? I, I, yes, I did the whole, I did it. How do I put this? I did as much as I could until they then asked me to come to New York. And that's when my parents were like, what the heck is this, you know, BS? They thought it was some sort of, you know, I was being conned or something. So they put the kibosh on that, but that was the, which I'm glad that they did because I mean, I so you didn't imagine. play the role in the I soap did opera. not, I did yeah. not do the soap opera, but that completely changed my life. And I just decided, you know what? I do love this. And I just dove into acting. I just, I was taking classes every day. I was learning. I learned over a hundred monologues. I was just doing anything I could do. And when I graduated high school, I drove out here. To, so, to California. Yeah. What do you remember about your first arrival here and, and what it was like and were you scared and where did you stay? It didn't even occur to me to be scared. I was lucky in that I had some family that lived sort of in the suburbs of Los Angeles, so I landed with them at first. And, I mean, I just, it didn't even occur to me. I think about it now because that sort of just uprooting your life and moving cross country just seems terrifying. But it didn't even occur to me. It just seemed like, of course, this is what you do. This is the and you would have been like eighteen, something like that. Seventeen. Seventeen. Wow. Nice. And what do you? What did you first do when you got here? Did you get a job? Did you? Um, I did. Did you have reps? I was going to school, and I luckily, because of the connection through that acting class, I actually arrived out here with an agent. So that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty. I didn't even know how lucky I was at the time, but. But I did. I started auditioning almost immediately, and I had a job on the side. I was working as a personal assistant, which was amazing. <laughs> Why amazing? 
because I'd never met people like that in my life. Were you working for like celebrities and stuff? It wasn't a celebrity, but it was a really entitled wealthy person in Beverly Hills. And I was just like, this is the most ridiculous. Like every day. What was the dumbest errand you had to do? Or the most like, are you kidding me? Well, this is, it was the idea that this woman never woke up until 2 p.m. Right. And I was so just, I couldn't understand a grown human being acting like a teenager. You know, it just seemed so like such a waste of life. But I mean, I was happy for it because it made my job easy. I just yeah. showed up and there was a she list. She wasn't going to complain until things. like three. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. How long yeah, did you do that wild. for? Uh, I want to say close to a year, something like that. What was that. the weirdest yeah. errand you had to run? Did you ever end up like on a studio lot or? Oh, I did that often because yeah. the main job for her was that she had a teenage daughter and I was sort of the, I sort of, I would take the daughter to and from school and the daughter was trying to be an actress so I would take her to and from auditions which was also sort of helping me learn the ropes of doing my own auditions and you know just sort of getting my my feet in Los Angeles because you know this place is so enormous and I had you know initially absolutely no clue of what Did you have a Thomas Guide? Was this in the Thomas Guide days? They were the big books the maps before with GPS. People have no idea how complicated it was back in the day. Yeah. Um, What was the gig you got where you thought okay this is going to kind of turn things around or get me like sort of really set me on my way was there one job that represented that to you or was it like building blocks um I want to say I I mean Xena really was the the sort of turning block job because you know that was in another country I mean it wasn't possible to have another job so I had to quit my job to do to take that where did you shoot in New Zealand oh yeah yeah so it was a big deal and at first you know I was only hired because I guess they were scared to hire somebody that maybe they were scared to commit for longer in case I turned out to be terrible, but they initially only hired me for three episodes. And But, I mean, I hadn't even finished the second one when they'd already asked me to come back for more because right. they were already writing those storylines and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that at that moment, it sort of changed my life because I was living half of my life in another hemisphere. Yeah. So. What was... I've been to New Zealand and visited... Um, and I haven't spent that kind of time there, but what did you love about being there? What did you... How did you spend your free time? And it was beautiful, certainly. Uh, it was amazingly beautiful. Um, you know, the people there are incredible. Like, I, I love to tell this story where... When I first arrived in my hotel room, there was one of those um, those tourist guides put out by the government. Right. And I'm reading through it, and again, a government guide, and what it says is, uh, if it says, if you are low on funds, try hitchhiking. <laughs> I was wow. Like, what? And the idea that I was in a country where people felt so safe yeah. that that was even an option was just ludicrous to me. That is crazy. But it was, it really was intense. I mean, and I will say, you know, my character was on screen a lot. Like when I first got there, I mean, it was that entire, the first trip that I was God, well, there. That must have been a mind trip. Oh. You've flown to another hemisphere. You're playing a huge part in this whole universe. Oh yeah. It was trial by fire. And, and you, you were know, pretty young. I was young, but it was also, I mean, I was eager for it. I was so excited about it, but it was it was a marathon that I, because I, you know, I get there and not only do I have all of the scenes and because Lucy was a brand new mom, they were trying to, you know, put, make her work not, they were encouraging my character to be big so that she didn't have quite as much on her plate to deal with. So I had this huge character, particularly the first three episodes that I did. Plus I'd never fought before. So every single day I had not only fight training, but fight choreography to learn all the fights for those particular episodes. I had horseback training, I had, they were teaching me to work with, like, there were specific stunts in each episode that wouldn't deal with fire or, you know, just stuff that I'd never worked for. And I found it exhilarating. 
and I just was so busy that I didn't have time to be stressed out about it. Well, also you didn't have a support system there probably. You were probably right. a stranger in a strange land, but that's so cool. It was. It was great. I mean, they, you know, it was a really, by that point on the show, it was a really well-run machine. So I think they knew exactly, you know, what to do. And I mean, I arrived there like 5.30 in the morning, got off the plane, got checked into the hotel, and like 7.30 they picked me up and started. I started work that day. Wow. Like it was just, Crazy. Whew, yeah, you're just going, going, going. Now, what's the kind of role that you would love to do that you haven't gotten to do that you do yet? Because like you said, uh, actors sort of get, get, yeah. get set on a path, and it's hard to break sometimes. It is. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that I utterly love that I haven't had the chance to Have you gotten to, really to dance much yet. and use your dance training? I haven't. I've only danced on screen really once. Uh, yeah, so that's something that I really haven't used at all. I mean, yeah. I sort of say I use that all the time, but I mean it subtly. But I've never actually danced, danced on screen. I would be on Dancing with the Stars if they asked me. Oh, I'm not a star it. or, you know, but I would do that. Oh, I think that would be super fun. I, I mean, that's another all about one that would it. be trial by fire. Because that whole thing is, I mean, yeah. that is a machine. They're like, yeah. we're going to put you through I would the have the, I would break down in this rehearsal room. I would do it all. <laughs> I love that. I still love this show. I don't care. I know it makes me weird. No, I love it. Yeah, I love when you when it comes on and you're like, who are these people? Right. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with so-and-so. Yes, yeah, exactly. I, I watch that show. I'm in. Oh, that's the beauty of TV. Isn't it? <laughs> I had this job, this three-day gig in the spring, and it was um, working on this thing called the Digi Tour. And they take these YouTube and Vine stars, and they're all like, you know, teen idols now, like 12, 13, 14. Right. And they build a little show around them, and then they send them out on this tour. And all these girls pay 20, 25 bucks to come and see them and take their picture. And it's a whole industry, right? right. And I was helping come up with little skits and little ideas and stuff to kind of make the show flow or whatever. So I helped out in that way. And one of the kids, his name's Hayes Greer, that we worked with, he was like the headliner on this tour. He is now on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, He's wow. the one that all the people over 20 are like, who is this person? Sure, sure. And I'm like, well, I worked with that guy, and now he's, he's doing well. But anyway, it's a random side note. But isn't that industry. crazy? I mean, stuff, yeah. just the entire evolution of the industry right now blows my mind. I mean, I was talking to, okay, I'm having lunch with a friend the other day. And this teenage actor comes up to him that he had worked with. They had done like a a one a web series right. at one point. Like my friend had just done a guest spot on it. Right. And so, you know, my friend says to this young kid, he's like, so are you auditioning? How are things going? And the kid looked at him and he goes, man, that all just seems like a waste of my time. I'm really focusing on my vine right now. Yeah. And it's true that this guy has like 13 million vine followers. Right. And you just think... Ha! What? Like, yeah. I, it makes me feel like I'm 75 years oh, old. Oh, I just, just can't. It makes yeah. it really makes me like. Sometimes I get like, I can't. I don't have it. I don't. I'm whatever. Right. Like, there's, I can't understand it. Like this kid that I worked with that's on Dancing with the Stars. Vine was his big thing. Nice. So he would work in these six minute, six second increments. All right. You you picked a lot of fun things from our observation deck. So we're going to dive me. in. Okay. Um, have you ever been starstruck? I have, and it's the most embarrassing story because I'm never Good. starstruck. Um, but I was obsessed with the show Damages the first season it came yes. out, and Ted Danson was the bad guy in that yes. season. And the night, okay, the, the night before the finale had happened, and it was mind blowing, and I was yeah. obsessed with it. Next morning, I'm at Burbank Airport, and I turned to my right, and there's Ted Danson, and I looked up at him, and I said. I love you, Ted Danson. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. And he was standing there buying cashews, and he just said. Thanks. And I went, no, no, I'm sorry. That was lame. I mean, I loved your show. And then it was better. Yeah. That was better. Then you, yes. did you talk to him more about the finale? I did, and I stuff? did. Okay. And, and in a Hollywood moment, he was there with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. 
Wow. I know. Like, what? I okay. love it. Right. Goldblum is sexy. He is. He is sexy. I'm going to say it. Well, I think he knows it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think he does, too. I think he's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to... He's like... he. I feel like he's somebody that, like... Con- con- he has conquests. Oh, oh, you undoubtedly. Know? I'm yeah, sure yeah, he's yeah. the guy that in a couple of years or maybe in a decade or so, he's going to write the tell-all yeah. and it's going to be ridiculous. It's called Guess Who I Fucked. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. Well, you know, he's the guy that does like the And it'll be like Nancy over. Pelosi and it'll oh just be like this random <laughs> people that you would never think. Yeah, he's got that thing. He, he would, like... He's like the profe- He's like the college professor that bangs yes. the students. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, and other professors, and, and, and the coffee shop yeah. girl, and the, yeah. <laughs> Where's the coolest place you've gotten to go for work? Uh, we kind of already talked about that. It was New Zealand, although yeah. I actually had a really cool time working in Sofia, Bulgaria, which is kind of. I nice. love her on Modern Family. <laughs> Sofia, Bulgaria is a place. Yes. yes. So it's the Sofia's a city. Yes. Bulgaria's. It's a actually place. called Sofia. Yes. Wow. And what yeah, were you, yeah, yeah. so what were you there for? The world's worst movie for the sci-fi channel. Wow. Sharknado? No. Uh, no, this was even back before then. Mine was called, um, uh, Interceptor Force 2. Wow. I was saving the world from aliens. Somebody's got to. I'm telling you. But, but it was cool to be there. It was cool to be there. It was a really wacky city because at the time the American dollar would go so far. Um, I met one of my best friends there, this actress, Elizabeth Grayson. We were both in it together. And we were pretty much the only two women there, so we just bonded really quickly. And right. we were there over Thanksgiving. And we went to this amazing Thanksgiving dinner, like 12 courses, champagne, wine, everything. At the end of it, $32. Wow. Yeah. We would go to the opera every week for $7 front row seats. Amazing. Like, I what? love that stuff. That's yeah. so cool. All right. What's the worst costume or uniform you've had to wear for work? Uh, I kind of sort of got out of this one, um, but I'm... In a show called Nobility that's premiering in November, and initially I was in this outfit. There, there's pictures of it. It's really cool, but it's plastic, head to toe plastic, and I wow. thought I was going to die from dehydration within about 45 seconds. So I could wear it long enough for us to take the pictures, but then to actually shoot in, we had to completely change it, keep the look, but we made it out of real fabric instead of this weird. What's plastic the show stuff. like, Nobility? It's amazing. It's uh, it's. It, it's a sci-fi palooza. Uh, for anybody that likes sci-fi, it's Doug Jones, it's Christopher Judge, it's Walter Koenig, it's James Kyson and Cass Anvar and Tori Higginson and Miracle Laurie, and it's every. I'm waiting you know. for a name. That oh no, oh no! I'm not a sci-fi what? guy. Were those Which actors, writers? Those are all actors from various yeah. sci-fi shows. Okay, cool. So it's sort of this. Where's this going to air? Uh, well, we're premiering at Kamikaze, which is an event in downtown Los Angeles on, on Halloween. Exactly. But I'm not actually sure. I find out. Yeah. I'm going to find out with everybody else where What's it's going to happen. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Well, people should watch for nobility. Okay. Are you a good flirt? You picked that one. Um, I would say I'm an excellent flirt, but I, t- I picked it because I love to talk about this. I think it's a lost art. I'm telling you people, banter is like food to me. If you cannot banter, I want nothing to do with you in right. terms of flirtation. I feel yeah. like that's a lost art. People it's a texting. People are like texting. and. But even then, I feel like some people are even, you can banter beautifully via text. Right. Or you can be an absolute idiot and ruin it with like three words that are just stupid. Not so good. Yeah. So I'm yeah. telling you, like, I'm just throwing that out there. That's important. Awesome. Are you single now or what's the story? You don't have to. Okay. That's all right. It's all good. How do you feel about dating actors? Other actors? 
Uh, is it okay? Is it? I don't know. Is it? Uh, I kind of I hesitate to make a blanket statement because I've had uh, I just know amazing people, right. so I don't really you know. There's so many horror stories about actors, but right. I feel like I don't really hang around with those people that are uh, like super ego narcissistic. Right. You've had okay experiences. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. Uh, I mean friendships and all of that. I really yeah. think I think. Um, Acting can be full of idiots, but I think acting can be full of absolutely the most amazing people as well. So it just depends on what you attract to you. And I feel yeah. like the, the people I attract into my life are, you know, they're good eggs. Good. I love it. Uh, who were your teen crushes? Oh, teen, uh, I'm, it's hilarious that I brought that, that up. I didn't bring it up because of teen crushes because I don't know if I had anybody exciting. But I will say I had this amazing experience where I lived near Branson, Missouri. Right. And at that time, uh, the Osmonds had a theater. <gasps> yeah. Yes. I, I, am an, I have a Donnie Marie shirt that I bought two years ago that I rock without irony. I'm, I love me some Osmonds. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Well, I will I'm a little say, bit country. One of the... <laughs> a little bit. And just a little bit of rock and roll. I think you can be both. Oh, I agree. Totally. Yes. Anyway. Uh, so the, I will say this was a defining moment of my childhood where my high school best friend and I, uh, were attending the show and we sort of made a bet with each other and we ended up asking the Os- Osmond brothers. And I should say these are the sons of the Osmond brothers. Oh, okay. You know, the second generation. Yes. Cause their sons were in the show also. Yeah. And we invited them to prom. Yes. Which Did was, they go? They said that they would and then said that they had a show that night and couldn't do it. If the internet were bigger then, they would have showed up at that prom. Because (laughs) nowadays, if somebody goes on and makes a cute video asking a star to prom, you're a jerk if you don't show up. Well, that's exactly it. That's exactly... We were ahead of our time. Did you... Who... Did you have a specific one in mind? I did, but God knows. I can't remember their names now. I know that she liked... How many are there? Oh, oodle. They're Mormons. I mean, there's oodles. There's a ton. Well, there's five brothers or six or seven brothers already. And they all had kids in the show. And they all have like six or seven. So... You have to... If you're an Osmond, third generation Osmond, you have to audition to be in your own family's <laughs> show. It's That's not fantastic. a done deal. Exactly. That's true. That's it's true. It's tough. Yeah, I'm sorry. I needed more smile. I, I know. I think you're out. I'm sorry. <laughs> that time step was a little sloppy. Hit the road. Now, but you remember that they were cute though, right? Oh, I, I do. I remember I was utterly enchanted at the moment. Uh, uh, but of course, now I think it's completely ridiculous. And I love I, that you. How did you ask them in a, in a little note, or did uh, you go backstage? Well, we waited for them. Like the whole audience was yeah. gone, and then luckily they. We were just sort of waiting for the opportunity, and they yeah. did come out from backstage, and we were like, "It's on! It we're is gonna our do moment!" This. Yes, and we were brave. Yeah. And you both, and you both said, "Hey, would you would would do you pick one and say, would you like to go to the prom with uh, me?" Or okay, hey, well, any of you guys was, free next Saturday night? I was being efficient uh, for your podcast, but I will say, um, oh, the, there's no point to that. Oh. <laughs> well, the, okay, I will say the more embarrassing thing is that the, the truth is my friend Joy, who was with me, was utterly obsessed over the guy that was playing the piano, whichever one that was. Sure. So he comes out. Knuckles and, Osmond. Exactly, Knuckles Osmond. So she walks, she wanders, <laughs> saunters up to Knuckles. And she's like, hey, baby. And I will say, she had a moment of utter terror where she totally freaked out. And instead of asking him, she said, my friend wants Uh, to go to prom with you. Why is it so easy to say the thing for the friend that you can never say for yourself? There's a lesson in that sentence. I know. I know. Pretend that you're the friend that you're fixing up anyway. Exactly. So anyway, she ended up setting me up with the guy she wanted to go with. And the one I thought was cute came around the corner. And we sort of, you know, brought him into the fold. 
cold and I don't know what we were expecting would happen. Right. But anyway, they were lovely and sweet and it was nice that they pretended to be interested. But they didn't go. <laughs> did you end up going your own self or did you find somebody else? We did go to the prom, but I will say it sort of is lucky that they didn't go because our proms were super lame. Yeah. I was in a really small town where our proms were more like banquets. What was your closest big city? Like if you were going to go to the big city and do something big. Uh, the big, big city was Springfield, but even like nowadays, I think that place is maybe 125,000. Yeah. Like it's But not, they had a mall. Yeah, oh yeah, for real. Yeah. That's of course why we Did you there. have a movie theater in your town? Uh, we did, yes. So you could go to the movies in your town? Yes. But, but my town say, was like a one screen wonder. Totally. Feature. But did you do that thing where where it was like the all the movies that you had were like six months released? Well, yeah, they've been <laughs> yes. out forever. Uh, and my town, my cinema purist friends would be mortified about this, but like they would do a double feature. So you would see like Grease 2 and then Xanadu. Yes. And then five or ten minutes into the second movie, this piece of paper would go up on the projector in front of the screen that said snack bar closes in five minutes. Oh, no. So <laughs> it So this piece of paper would just appear in the middle of the movie. Or, right. You know, and then everyone, half the people would get up and go get their last minute snacks. But, oh, that's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I think Spielberg would say, if you put snack bar closes in five minutes over like, Schindler's yeah. List, there is going to be hell to pay. But maybe he didn't care, you know, about how it was going down in Hope, Arizona. But um, did you like growing up where you grew up? I did. Well, I sort of grew up all over. I started in Missouri. I spent about seven years in Arizona. I lived in Arkansas. Arizona where? In Prescott. Right on. Prescott was cool. Oh, it's beautiful. I went there uh, on the golf team, and I think I didn't do that badly in Prescott. I have sad (laughs) stories in every every other course in the in we played. I have I I crashed and burned. I was not that great. Oh, but Prescott was cool. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle. All right. No, I loved it. It's a beautiful place surrounded by the forest. It was awesome. Right. Were you there as a kid? Like more elementary school? I was there school? like third grade through freshman year of high school. All right. Was it hard moving around growing up? A little bit. I mean, it was certainly not soul crushing or anything, but that particular move was a little soul crushing because I was going from a town where I had all of these amazing friends into, I literally moved to a town in Arkansas where the official population was 246 people. Wow. Yeah. It was And how a long were you there the for? System. Two years. In high school? Yeah. So then you moved senior year to... Back to the, Missouri, yeah. Okay, okay. What did your parents do? The uh, they owned a couple of different businesses. Okay. Yeah. All right. What is your biggest frustration? Ah, uh, I'm going to use this as a work thing. Okay. okay. This is my biggest frustration, which has been on my mind a lot lately. It drives me crazy when instead of being like creatively collaborative on set, people just want all of the, they want all of the kudos. So they make terrible decisions just because they want to take the credit, not realizing they're making terrible decisions, but they just, instead of collaborating, like I just think, you know, what I've realized is the more people I work with, the more talented they are, the more open they are to collaboration. The more of an amateur somebody is, the more likely they are to be, uh, hesitant to actually give anybody else any kind of control. Hard-headed, uh, my way or the highway. Is it, does it come more from behind this behind this camera people or are actors part of the mix too? Oh, I'm sure it's a little bit of everybody. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, I feel like I feel it the most from people that are trying to produce a project but they don't yet have the skill to understand the gifts they have in front of them or to understand when they're making a mistake. Like, they don't want to admit to making mistakes, so they'll continue making it. 
you know, instead right. of, you know, just to try they, to They're, they're so fear that if, if I don't stick with this, it's all going to be over. Right. Have you had moments in your career where, like, things weren't happening for a while where you thought, ugh. Should I do something else? Or what was the, what's your sort of ups and downs been like? I feel like? like I have that moment every day. I, I like to hear how people um, manage the ups and downs because everybody has them. Everybody does have them. Um, and I'm certainly no exception. And I, I mean, I get terrified about it all the time because if I look at my career as a whole, I can be grateful and, you know, somewhat impressed with myself for being able to make it last this long and all that right. stuff. But equally, I mean... My life looks nothing like what I expected it to or to what we sort of all, you know, picture right. and, and all of that stuff. And it's it's the idea of creatively being fulfilled, trying to, you know, still reach for your biggest dreams and the goals that you really have and the things that you're really wanting. Right. But also having a good time along the way. And I think so. Yeah, just trying to make it work. So... Because I, sometimes I'll get involved in something and somebody will say, this could be huge. And I'm I already in my head, I'm like, it's never going to be huge. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? But I, there's a part of me that I, you kind of need to think that maybe it could. Like right. there's something, right. there's a, there's a sadness to going, oh no, it's not going to be. There's something, there's a loss around that. Sure, sure. But you know, you got to get prepped by it too. Yeah, well, that's and exactly enjoy it. every part of that's my advice to people. Enjoy every part of the thing because the thing might be the only thing you get. Well, that's what I, I always say to people. You have to celebrate every moment. So, like, let's say today you sell your script. We are going to celebrate the hell out of that. Right. Now, a year from now, you might be pissed off and furious because it's never gone anywhere. It's just been sitting on the shelf for a year. Right. And they've, you know, they're focused on something else and you don't think it's... So, but nevertheless, celebrate each victory because right. each... Vic, you know, there are millions of people trying to do this. And right. You know, the idea that you are here and making it happen at whatever degree, at whatever, right. you know, whatever the success rate, you are still having successes right. and you have to acknowledge those. I was at something at the Writers Guild and I don't even think I was on the panel, but I was there and there was Q&A and if I would have been there, I would have said, you know what? They have amazing cookies and shit at this panel. Take six home. Yes. Enjoy every, like... Oh, completely. Because it's, yeah. I will say, that is a personal pet peeve of mine. And I know this, you know, people want to say this is about actors and starving themselves or something. But I will say, it is a personal, like, affront to my sensibilities whenever I go to these fancy events and no one is touching the buffet. Yeah. Like, you better believe I am all over that buffet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm taking a doggy bag. I bring Ziplocs. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or like a junket. Like, when I used to do a lot of junk to cover it, I would just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and this is the final question you picked from the observation deck. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Ah, uh, um, this was one of my favorite stories to tell because it was my very first day, my very first scene on Xena. Okay. And it was a, for me, kind of... First kind of, of all, you hadn't slept. You Yes. Okay. Had not slept. That flight to New Zealand is no joke. Oh, I'm telling you. And the, you know, the wardrobe is new, like they hadn't figured out how to quite make it work. Like pieces kept falling off and there were just all of these things that kept going wrong that kept making the day take longer. And we were at the point where, you know, we filmed outdoors. So if the sun goes down, we're screwed. So right. we have to get this shot. And this, it starts with a fight scene. And one of the moves of the fight scene is that I high kick this guy in the chin. Uh-oh. And I had done it in rehearsals a hundred times, but here we are filming and I do it, and I feel my pants rip from the very front to the very... Like, it's okay. not a little thing. It's a whole big right. deal. And I just sort of freeze, which the director freaks out about, because he's, of course, really worried about the timing. Yeah, we don't have... Completely. And it was just this moment where it took so long to put this outfit on, because every piece was, like, I was hand-woven into right. each piece, basically. And I couldn't put it on or take it off without help. So, 
they didn't have time to, you know, take everything off to get my pants off to, you know, like, so they take me into this little like hut sort of thing. And I'm standing there with my pants around my ankles as they're sewing my pants back together. Oh my God. And just, they're under pressure. The director's yelling. The sun is going down. All of that. And your, I'm, your I'm pants both, are around your ankles. My pants are around my ankles. I am mortified, but I'm also laughing so hard. Just mm. moments like that I love because in a million years, who could have predicted that? Who could have predicted the entire circumstances? And my options were, in my opinion, either to start crying or to laugh. And yeah, if I'm always yeah. going to laugh. So. Did you, but though, so you go back to kick again, you're kind of like, I better not kick so hard. Well, what? exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I even said that to the, uh, to the stunty that I was working with. I was like, we're just going to fake this one. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get nearish your face. <laughs> What's it like to have stunt double? Oh, that part's freaking amazing. We need to kind of life. You just kind of feel like, yeah. Oh, totally. That you feel like it's a, a superhero that's you. That's exactly right. No, it really is amazing because you do the best you can, but, but there was such a, I had such a confidence in that anything I couldn't do, they could pick up after. Did you have yeah. the same one the whole time? Do you, do you bond? I did my, well, I had multiple stunt doubles cause I had one that did the horseback riding. I right. had one that did like the fighting and I had another one. Oh, and then I just had a stand in for certain things that they needed. Uh, but the stunt double that I had was the same girl the entire time. And this is so freaking hilarious because she was, uh, I believe part Maori, but anyway, she, you know, I'm like the whitest white girl ever, and she right. was significantly darker than me. But on that show, we all wore body makeup. I made out with a Maori when I was in New Zealand. Oh, I bet that was nice. It was really nice. But there was a lot of rhythm. There was. I mean, you know, it was, uh, yeah. yeah I, we're Facebook interested. friends, and I look at him, and I'm like, fuck, he's so cute. Anyway. Uh -huh. I'm going to, I'm going to circle around back to that. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> but anyway, the, the whole reason I'm telling this story is she was my stunt double the entire time, which should have been impossible because at one point she was freaking pregnant. Right. But the way that they shot her and she was just incredibly athletic and did not want to stop being yeah. stunty. And you know, on that show, well, you may or may not know this, but on that show, there's all these ridiculous flips that all the characters are doing. So right. it's a lot of wire work. And she loved it. So, I mean, there was a point that she stopped when she was seven and a half months pregnant. But, I mean, picture that. How is it? You would think that's impossible. Yeah. But, you know, luckily she She's didn't. doing backflips through exactly. all of it. All right. We got to wrap this up. You're delightful. You too. Uh, the, the web series is called Club 5150. 50. Club 5150. Why should people watch it? What's fun? I, I thought the pilot was really funny. I liked the dialogue. I liked the, each. I thought it was sharp and quick and really well performed. I'm going to say when I read it, I loved it. But then when we did a table read, yeah. I loved it about 10 times more. And then when we filmed it, I loved it about 100 yeah. times more. Because it is so much funnier, but also so much more tragic than I read on the page. So it's really like, it's that thing where it's the, you know, the opposite of comedy is tragedy. It's both things at once. Yeah. And it's just sharp. Like, there's yeah, a, there's a character smart. named Jennifer who's the Latina nanny. And the Krista's character named, calls her Consuela. Yes. Because she can't imagine a Latino nanny named Jennifer. Yeah, that's not going to happen in her and, household. And the, the, her the, nanny is Consuela. And, and, and the, the nanny's like, well, Jennifer Lopez. And she's like, no, I'm calling you Consuela. Like she's, yes. she's da it's a little dark, the damage. It, well, it's definitely dark. Yeah. I mean, she is a damaged character, but what's interesting yeah. is every character in that room is a little damaged yeah. and a little dark. And in that, in a sort of high pressure situation, everybody's quirks start coming out. Cause yeah. what I love, what Steve kept talking about was how, you know, as this sort of intervention sort of thing, it's supposed to be on her, on the character that Krista plays, but really everybody makes it about themselves, Yeah, which is, you know, kind of real life. And very funny. <laughs> Why do you love acting? Ah, uh, 
it's just exciting. It's a different adventure every day. And I love, I am an enormous fan of collaborating. I think there's nothing more exciting than when it's working. Like, it's great. Yeah. Love it. Do you have like a motto or words that you live by or something you think about or in a way? Uh, I have all, um, uh, trust what lights up for you. I'm a big believer in that. Trust one. what lights up for you. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oprah could do a week on that. Yes, she could. Where did that come from? Did you? Is this something no you read, idea. or you just? Oh, I'm, it's. I can't take credit. I'm sure I didn't make it up, but I can't right. remember where I found it. Um, but it's just it resonated with me. And I think the other thing I try to remember is uh, boldness has magic and genius in it. So just like try that. to be bold. So like trust what lights up for you. Action, sci-fi stuff has lit up for you. So instead of being like, gosh, why can't I be in a Merchant Ivory movie? You're like, okay, I'm well, going to keep open to everything, but I'm not going to resent this. Total. Oh, I definitely don't believe in, re- in resentment. But I right. also think it's even deeper. I think it's that whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, right. whether it's, uh, you know, you're out adopting a dog, trust the one that lights up for you. Trust the one that, you know, when you have that feeling, I think it's really about trusting your instinct and not denying it. So trust that thing that you know it's like the acting thing it's like me moving out here for acting that lit the f up for me when i discovered acting right so i mean the it was crazy there's nothing about that that was logical but i trusted it and i totally think it was the right decision i love it amazing things all right when do you know when um people can watch this show or should i get that info from steve and put a little tag at the end uh both i know that our premiere is the 8th of november so i assume that we come out right after that but you should confirm with steve i will confirm with steve all right keep an eye out for that and people can watch it at is it club is it going to have its own website it has its own website i believe it's club 5150series.com okay perfect but you can also find it at prettytheseries.com awesome do you do social media should people follow you anywhere all of it follow me everywhere Okay, rattle them off. Uh, yo underscore Adrian W. So just think, yo Adrian. And Did you get that all the time growing up? Oh, yeah. I get it every day of my life. But you owned it. You, you it lit I've up for you. Mine. And you've, yeah, yes. you've made it. You, we made Instead it work Instead of my enemy, it's now my friend. Exactly. So that is both my Twitter and my Instagram. And Talia Shire's so pissed off that you, they, totally. you can't do that as her totally. Twitter. Totally. But full, full circle story, I did a movie with her several years ago. And I was like, girl, I just have to say we have to have a moment because this happened because of you. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, right? Oh, that's hilarious. That's cool. I saw her at a Q&A for The Godfather, and I, was, I thought she was so impressive. Oh, nice. And so beautiful. Yeah. And awesome. Anyway. All right. Thank you. It's been really fun talking to you, and everyone check out Club 5150 and everything else that uh, Adrian's got going on. All right. Woo-hoo. We'll thank catch you. you next time. Bye. Thanks again to Adrian Wilkinson. Make sure you check out the hilarious web series Club 5150. It goes up on November 9th. And I believe there's a website for it, club5150.com, and there's probably a Facebook page. I could check all of these things out, but I'm recording this on a cruise ship with no Wi-Fi. So I'm really flying blind. I'm off, I'm so off the grid right now. So, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, anyway, uh, so this happened. Like I said, I'm on a cruise ship. Um, my friend Scott Williams and I created this show for Princess Cruises called Hollywood Screen Test. And it's, uh, like, there's a green screen in there, and people come in, and this you know, movie shoot unfurls in front of them and then they're pulled into the action and uh, we're on the Regal Princess putting it up and working with the cast and everything. It's really fun. They're doing a great job. It's really surreal to be out here because I used to work for Princess uh, back in the day as a dancer in my late, in my mid-twenties, early to mid-twenties and we're working with these cast members who are like 21, 25, and I'm looking at them, like, dancing on the deck at a party in their name tags and feeling like that's me, 
Only it was so long ago. It feels like it was last week. And I'm like, it's weird. Suffice it to say, it's it's uh, time warp. Time warp. A, t- a cross between the time warp and the Bermuda Triangle. So, there's that. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Check out Club 5150. It was delightful. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!